Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Monday, December 19th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It's going to be a shorter than usual show, and I apologize for the issues so far and the opening and so on. It won't be live on Rumble today. I had an interview planned, and it still is planned, for 4 p.m. Central Time with Dr. Peter McCullough. And as I tend to always seem to do, I aggressively screwed up the time difference two different ways, in fact. And so I had the interview already set. You may have already seen that. Uh, I I clarified that with him and we're set for four o'clock today. So I figured I already had a show that I was going to maybe push till tomorrow. So I'm going to try to eke that out in the next hour and 15 minutes. And I I think we have the stuff I was going to cover in general. I believe we can get through. But if not, I'll shelve it until the next show and we'll stop around that time and make sure we're ready for Peter McCullough because there's. A lot to get into there. But today we're generally going to be talking about kind of as I frame the title, just the general concept is kind of this is as I think we uh, framed a long time ago, like a year ago, this whole thing as the, the most excruciating slow motion train wreck in history. And it's more and every day. It seems to be more obviously exactly like that. So today is no different in how clearly this continues to compound. Experts speak out. This peer-reviewed science continues to, on top of other peer-reviewed science, science studies, excuse me, saying the same, continue to bolster that exact concept that these things are dangerous. Not just problematic or losing efficacy or waning, but dangerous for everybody at every point across the board. That's there's nobody should be even pulling these punches anymore. Uh, there's plenty of people out there that I actually respect that are still kind of walking that line. Well, that's maybe effective for 65 and above. It's just it's it may is fair, but I argue aggressively against even the possibility because of all the other things around the side. Now, may they have an effect to uh, create some kind of clinical response? I guess we'll assume it's the right one because they've admitted they don't know that. Maybe. The reality, though, is with all the extra stuff on the side, the side effects and even the things, what these injections are doing to your immune system, there's no benefit as far like net harm concept for anybody, or rather it is a net harm concept for everybody if you look at the full picture. So we're going to go over the breakdown of that misinformation, the interesting points about, uh, I have a couple interesting points I want to reiterate about the FDA point, blood clotting, specifically around the, the that baby conversation from uh, baby Will from New Zealand. Uh, a, little mis- a little confusion was swirling about an older story we already talked about and thinking that might have been baby Will. And I was very, very worried that something had happened. Uh, and I, I'm trying to keep tabs on that, but it's difficult. So if you guys know what's going on with baby Will in New Zealand, I just really want to make sure that he's doing okay. But I'm going to talk about the story that was before this that clearly shows you that there's a problem with the idea of vax versus unvaxed blood and transfusions we're going to talk about an interesting video that somebody made uh, all the world as a stage sent me this in regard to the variant and something we've been telling you from the very beginning something that's not hard to understand if you have a memory before COVID 19 land but showing you us fauci saying that the flu variant shifting and why that doesn't make why the vaccine when they don't have the proper variant aimed at doesn't work very minor mutations. We'll get into it and show you how that completely overlaps with the opposite of what they're saying today when forcing in the bivalent shots, even though we're wildly past the things they say they made it for. But it's OK. There's it, it still overflows into the other side of it or whatever the term he used is. And he will show you him saying the exact opposite. And we'll talk about the blood clotting and the FDA conversation. Now, frankly, as much and then a bunch of Twitter stuff, if we have time to get to it, frankly, 
I, the FDA discussion is it's it's very clear. I mean, the idea and, and really we'll show you again that the study itself has their act. They're like, it shows the problem, but we don't think there's the problem. It's very interesting the way that they mental gymnastics around all of this. But for me, I don't, why does it, I mean, it matters, but why is it important for us to point out that the FDA acknowledged this? We have the science in front of us, whether that paper, that, you know, straw man, ridiculous bought out entity of the FDA or the CDC, these captured entities decide to acknowledge the truth really is irrelevant, isn't it? The science has been showing you this. People like Dr. McColl and the experts are continuing to say, we see this. It's proven. It's undeniable. That's very clearly happening. And it's interesting that suddenly they go, well, don't even actually acknowledge it, but say something about it. And that becomes the story. Now, I, I will talk about it, too. It is important. But don't pretend that that means that we didn't already know this because we did. It's been proven. And again, there's a lot of stuff in the Twitter discussion that I do want to get to because of how interesting this has gone and how very increasingly important I think this is, not because of how they're framing it, but because of how clearly this is warping people's minds. I mean, I've, there's a million examples of this, and that's even while I pretty clearly think that what's being shown is the truth. But that's kind of irrelevant for the point that I'm making. I mean, it's almost even more important that it, if it is the truth, because what they're doing is training people to continue to take at face value what they say it says. Even with screenshots and text, even when we probably know that is the truth. It's very interesting, and people are losing themselves in this. And we're now seeing other parts and other psyops spin off of this, where seemingly the new medium of journalism is just having somebody you trust and just going, well, they, uh, they're, they wouldn't lie about that. Elon wouldn't lie. Trump wouldn't lie about that. We see how this is already going. But I want to start today with one quick example of something that I wanted to share with you guys in regard to, I don't know, I don't want to say censorship because I don't know. But this is very interesting to me. Somebody pointed this out, and I'm going to do more due diligence. And I would like you guys to tell me if you see anything in this regard. So we just did this show that I find very important. And I'm going to, I'm going to reference our, our sub stack on that. Scott did a great coverage on this exact episode in a moment. But this is the show called FDA Accidentally Exposes Emergency Use Authorization Deception. Right? That was, that's the point here that I think that if there was an issue, I think that was the problem. But this has 15,000 views on Rumble. But somebody pointed out to me recently that this only has two, this is only two hours and three minutes long. The only, the problem with that is that this show was three hours and 46 minutes long. This is all done through StreamYard and it automatically streams directly to Odyssey, to Rumble, to Rockfin, right? And you can see here, Rockfin also is three hours and 47 minutes. Well, that's interesting. Even Rockfin is 346.47 versus 347.57. That doesn't see. I didn't even notice that. What the hell's going on? Well, I'll have to address that small difference in a moment after the show. But the main point for me is this is that's crazy. That's an hour and 40 plus t minutes of content that isn't there. Now, if it was the stream problem and it got cut out, which happens, then it would be the same on the other platforms because it's the same stream coming from StreamYard, right? I upload these things later to BitChute and so on. So why does that happen? You can see for yourself one of these little skips. They just changed the information around that, and it still shows you that they're not meeting it. And it also just accidentally, not the conduct, but what Elon is saying. And what. Okay. So, right there, you missed about 20 seconds. I mean, I think more, I think it was actually a couple minutes. Now, why is that happening? It didn't happen on the other stream, Odyssey, which means it wasn't happening on the stream. So, this clearly means it's a, it's a rumble problem. Now, that just could be an actual problem. I mean, working with SuperU, I understand this stuff can happen. 
But if that happens and it's a, just a glitch, well, that should be acknowledged. But if it's something where you had like a problem on your end, which does happen in large ways that you had to keep it, you had to cut it essentially to make sure the video was still up. Well, you could argue that was even a service, right? Instead of having the video be taken down because it, something had a problem, it would be cut and made sure that what was still usable was still up. But still, there should have been something that was said. Either way, I'm guessing. An hour and 46 minutes missing content only on Rumble side is very crazy to me. And I believe the person told me there were other examples of this on Rumble and not on other platforms. That's that's crazy. The point is, who knows? And as usual, people today, especially when it comes a partisan thing, it's like, well, you know, could it be censorship? Of course it could. But people that don't want to see that are going to argue and give them the benefit of the doubt. I, you know, my feelings. I'm very, very concerned about Rumble being just the next YouTube. Now, in any case, Tell me if you guys see things like this, because that is a huge discrepancy. Now, let's start off talking about things like Dr. Fauci and the misinformation that we're experiencing today, and then go on to show you how he is the one, in fact, misinforming, which you all know. The host says, as we develop, as we developing an anti-science, are, are we, excuse me, it's like, that doesn't make sense. Are we developing an anti-science in the society? If she says it like that, I'm going to laugh. I, I've, I've listened to it only once. Fauci says the answer is yes. So much misinformation that we're experiencing the normalization of untruth, which remember was exactly what Bilderberg discussed the post-truth world before they said this was a problem. So either they were psychic or that was a bullet point in what they were trying to create, which I think we know where we are, right? The reality is that the, the purveyors of misinformation are by and, lar- by, by and large the corporate media. Anybody that can, you know, think past their shoelaces and outside the two-party paradigm can see that even in the two-party paradigm they can see it but they only point at one side of it so it's there (laughs) either way you look at it we can see that they are the purveyors of misinformation now there are plenty of independent media personalities out there that willfully lie for many different reasons that get it wrong sometimes for many different reasons and there's those out there that are framed as being wrong even when they're right there's a lot of different things but the point is we're allowed to be incorrect especially if you make a mistake but even if you're lying by the way that is free speech you may disagree with that but that is actually free speech words are not violence here's what he says of disinformation and misinformation are we developing an anti-science yeah well in society and she said anti-science animus in the society the answer is yes, the short answer to your question, uh, Andrea. But the other thing that's is that there's so much misinformation that we, we were experiencing the normalization of untruths, where there's so much disinformation that's spread predominantly through social media that people just get so used to the untruths that it becomes normalized. With- yeah, like, like telling a truth, repeating a, a lie often enough until it becomes the truth is that did we create that was that was that the public that came up with that mantra or oh no that was the government in their long-term progress of propagandizing the public you know the the bernaysian perspective of social engineering and misinformation like that's what we're talking about right continuing to lie until it becomes the truth that's what we're that's not happening on a public level the people the fact that they're literally saying that you as an individual having your opinion out there and all of us collectively doing it simultaneously amounts to what they think is a now that, that doesn't even make sense when you really think about it. The only person and entity that has the power to collectively misinform on such a broad scale are people like the government and high level individuals and things like the corporate media. Now, there are plenty of independent outlets that are large enough to be able to do that. And I could point to examples that I would say are think maybe 
outright lies or partisan manipulations, or maybe they don't even realize they're doing it. But still, I would argue they have a right to do so. The ones that we're seeing here are the people like Fauci, who I'll show you yet again in a moment, actively disregard the real information that we can prove to you is there, except why isn't he pointing at it? I mean, I'll even show you one that'll probably make your jaw drop. And the idea that he goes like, what do we even do? Are there problems with the vaccines? I mean, is that even happening? Seriously. Now, you could pretend that it's not as bad as people may think it is, but to act like there's literally not even a problem in discussion and we're the ones spreading, the, we're the ones normalizing untruth. Like it's it's very, to my, in my opinion, it's become undeniable that Mr. Fauci here is a key player in the active misinformation, not like an unwitting grandfather type that's being used, but an absolute, like completely immersed in the willful deception of the American public. That's my opinion. Come to your own, please. But before we go to those clips, let's just kind of dance very quickly through the information that's currently there right as of recent and as of, I think, this month. Peer-reviewed. This is the British Medical Journal, Journal of Medical Ethics, peer-reviewed. As we've shown you many times, to prevent one hospitalization from COVID over an entire six-month period, they estimate that 31,000 to 42,000 young adults aged 18 to 29 years must receive a third mRNA vaccine, the third. So that means one, two, and then the third shot to stop one hospitalization. For almost over 42,000 people must get the third shot. So I guess times that by three. Booster mandates in young adults are expected to cause a net harm. This is a peer-reviewed, high-level study. British Medical Journal, Journal of Medical Ethics. Now, you can't just pretend this isn't here. A net harm is a gigantic statement, not maybe, not we need more research to find out, but boosters in young adults, the mandates, are a net harm, meaning there's no positive spin to this. Per COVID-19 hospitalization prevented, so as per one, they anticipate at least 18.5 serious adverse events, death, hospitalization, serious, uh, you know, uh, I, I forgot the third part all of a sudden off the top of my head, the Permanent disability. That was the one I usually include. The point is, one, hospitalization. If it was to prevent one hospitalization, you had to potentially have two serious adverse events. That's still, the point is, this is wildly over the top. 18.5 for one hospitalization, not even death. Including 1.5 to 4.6 booster-associated myopericarditis cases, which each individually, even when not serious, increase your potential mortality by up to 56% over the next 10 years. That's an NIH study. Okay, this is on the record right now. This was posted uh, very quickly. I'm probably going to not be able to find it. Sometimes that happens when. I... Oh, where was it? Where's the date? Tell me, guys, speak up. <laughs> I know I just found this the other day. Anyway, I know this is recent. It's as of December. I know that, but I can't find the date off the top of my head. Trying to go quickly. Okay, so there's one you've seen. Here's one I've shown many times. Innate immune suppression by SARS-CoV-2 vaccinations. mRNA vaccines promote sustained synthesis of the spike protein, continually making them, which is my point about why this gets far worse than just, especially when you compare the potentially organic or natural version, if it's what we're talking about, spike protein versus what continues to be made in your body over and over and over. This swirls through your bloodstream. That is a problem. Sustained, sustained, not tweak goes away, but sustained. The spike protein is neurotoxic and it impairs your DNA. Suppression of type 1 interferon responses result in impaired innate immunity. Your immunity suppressed. Lymphocytopenia is an example of dysregulation of your immune system. The mRNA vaccines potentially cause increased risk to infections and diseases and cancer. 
how is this even possibly on the table as something positive? Peer-reviewed, science-direct, highly regarded. Here's the one I just recently showed. Yes, still a preprint. British Medical Journal, Yale, December 7th. 18 systematic reviews. Systematic reviews. 14 random controlled trials. And 34 other studies with a control group. All combined, it found significantly more serious adverse events of special interest with the vaccines than with the placebo. I mean, that statement alone, this should have been ended a long time ago. This is undeniable. Now, here is the clip I was talking about. This is Fauci responding to Ron DeSantis' little uh, meeting they had in regard to the investigation. But the latest now, Dr. Fauci, is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He's now asking the Florida Supreme Court to greenlight an investigation into, and the way he put it, is any... Uh, any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. What's your reaction to that? I don't have a clue, Kate, what he's asking for. I mean, we have a vaccine that unequivocally is highly effective and safe and has saved literally millions of lives. The Commonwealth Fund has come out with a report just this past week that vaccinations that have been administered over this period of time, this last year and a half to two years, has saved 3.2 million lives, 18 million hospitalizations, and approximately $1 trillion in costs. So what's the problem with vaccines? I mean, vaccines are life-saving. So quite frankly, Kate, I'm not sure what, what they're trying to do down there. Right. Okay. So nice, very clumsy conflation with all vaccines there at the end, where he's very clearly talking about specifically the COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, this guy is such a, I mean, he is look just looking at my personal opinion, just looking at his face. I this he's trying to side, trying to exit stage left very clearly. And he knows he looks bad. And that's why you're seeing less of these. That's my opinion. But my God, to pretend, first of all, that he's talking about all vaccines. No one's doing that. That's a very easy thing they always try to do. All vaccines are safe, and we know that. So when you get in front of a court, possibly, in the future, you could, I didn't say that. I said all vaccines. Either way, so you point to a, a report, not a study, but a, a report that gets funding from the government. Shocking. That says, we tell, this is what it saved. How could you possibly know that? How could you possibly tell us you know how many lives were saved by something you're using estimates? That's the only way that's done. And you're taking estimates from people like, I don't know, the CDC? Yes, absolutely. The NIH? Clearly. They're talking about the estimates. What they do is they go, okay, well, what did Pfizer say? Here's the number this haves, and here's what they did, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, we'll factor that in. Well, there you go. You're already taking assumptions or lies and using that to argue if they took the vaccine, here's what we did with them, right? This many gave, that means this many were saved. I'm not making this up. It's as simple as that. And again, we're literally contrasting this with the, the current, most current peer-reviewed science that is undeniably net harm. Potted all across the board, you are hurting people. And all they can do is go, what's wrong with vaccines? All these people have gotten it. You should get it too. That's, this is the best they could do. Where's the science? Right? Aren't they the ones screaming, trust the science? Well, there's plenty of things they'll show you, but how much you want to bet it's not the kind of peer-reviewed, high-level science that we're showing you now. And I, I'm not, not bet, I know that. Because what they do have is the things they come out with that are things like this, where they have these collective groups. Or how about things like the Scotland, uh, I want to say Ministry of Health, I know that's the Public Health of Scotland, 
literally refused to look into one of the most obvious problems that we've seen the issue with the with the the neonatal deaths which is staggering and what was their answer well we're just not going to look into it because we already did before like pfizer told us it was fine and because they will cause vaccine hesitancy now that's paraphrasing but that is quite literally what happened and that's okay i mean my god Remember, and this is, uh, I don't even know how to say whatever that is. This person's account says, remember how the vaccine pushers didn't skip a beat when it was proven that the lipid nanoparticles mRNA payload was indeed biodistributing throughout the body, including past the blood-brain barrier. Remember that? Remember when they screamed you down and censored you for saying that it didn't stay in your shoulder muscle? And then it very clearly got exposed to, and still to this point, I, I just showed you a moment ago, the point of that, that was the point that I was making clear in regard to, uh, synthesis the sustained synthesis of the spike protein and the studies that show you that it's in your blood uh i don't know i don't have limited time i'm not going to find the studies really quickly but i have shown you many times the studies that prove to you that 11 out of 13 people had it circulating in their bloodstream we all know this now but the point that he's making here he or she's making what what happened there well they got caught in a gigantic lie where they were shouting it down until they were forced to admit it and yet we just keep going well what else is wrong what else do they lie about one would think that such a massive, quote, correction would give a little pause to honest people. Even this person down here. Source, please. Well, that, I mean, I, I don't I've never have a problem with source at people asking for sources, but I was going to I thought it said something different. I know I can find it. I just want to see what source you share. That's an interesting claim. Anyway, you've seen I, we've shown you this study ourselves. The point is, it's undeniable at this point. Another person, Common Sense MD, says one of the biggest lies ever told is that those who got the shot suffered less once they got COVID than those who didn't get the shot. This is total unprovable BS and a worse lie, even than the one saying the shot reduced transmission. Cause it didn't remember that when they lied about that too. And in fact, they said for the first time that it didn't stop transmission during Delta, but yet right now the narrative is that Omicron changed everything. Isn't that funny how that works? Just rewriting history in real time. Well, the reality is, first of all, even if you think that's the case again, how would you possibly pretend you can prove that? How do you prove what somebody would have experienced? This is a self-serving lie. It's the Rogaine analogy I've made many times, and this is perfect because it's impossible to disprove just like it's impossible to prove. So it comes down to trust and faith. What do you know? This is somebody responding in regard to uh, COVID debate. Somebody says, if you believe in the vaccine, take it. If you don't believe in the vaccine, don't take it. Perhaps people should be allowed to make their own choices. Mother Nature will let us all know who was correct. I, I tend to agree with that. You, I mean, you have a choice. As long as you allow people to make their choices, well, that's then I, you're going to put something in your body that's going to hurt you. That's up to you. I'll, I'll, I'll try to dissuade you. But this is the kind of misinformation that we're seeing spread everywhere. The kind of stuff that we see like this, the lies that people buy and gobble up and repeat, this person says, unfortunately, it's not that black or white. Black anyway, for vaccines to work, you need the majority of people to be vaccinated. Otherwise, they're not effective. I mean, do you realize how stupid this is? Like bottom of the barrel, provably fake and false across the board. But this is what they're telling us today. Now, actually, what they're actually what they're actually saying is herd immunity as a, as a concept. Right. But the reality is that if this was the case, why then would they rush vaccines to a hot spot in Africa when there's an outbreak? Right. Apparently not everyone in Africa has it. What's the point? Why wouldn't you rush it out to the entire continent all at once? Because this is stupid, because this does not make any sense, because if this is the case. 
it will never, ever stop because there's never a case. This is a designed narrative to create the situation where, one, you can blame those that don't do what they're told. And two, you can always have a reason why it didn't go away. The anti-vaxxers fault, right? But here we are. People are actually still saying this, whether that's a bot or not. People actually believe this. Peter Sweden points out how many of those that took the Pfizer Moderna were aware that they actually used a new technology. Very true. With no long term safety data. Very true. That injects synthetic mRNA. It is mod RNA that instructs the body to produce synthetic spike protein. There is literally nothing false about that. This person says none of that is true. (laughs) See my point? This technology has been around for decades mRNA vaccines were successfully tested in humans in 2013. False. They failed repeatedly all the way until now. This is the first successful one. I don't know where he's getting that from. We have more than enough long-term data, too. Might as well just do this real quick since we're here. Oh, I forgot. I'm trying to rush, but already started. So this one is the one you guys have seen many times. Just to make sure you guys all see how wildly wrong this person is. Long-term safety. Now, this includes the bivalent and the original, right? As of November 2022. Long-term safety of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine is unknown at present. Well, look at that. What do you know? Apparently he's wrong. Who could have guessed? He seems pretty damn certain, doesn't he? I'm willing to bet you he scared a few people onto his side because of how aggressively certain he was, right? I just want to do this real quick and we'll post it for him. But you see, my point is, guys, that people out there are convinced. This guy thinks he knows. That's the problem. So let's hopefully, you know, see, typically what happens when you do this is they block you. Even though they realize they're wrong, they still block you. Let's see what happens later. But the point is, guys, this is everywhere. There are people all over the place that are yelling this kind of stuff because they don't know. But you know what? It's not because in many cases that they are doing something wrong or that they think they are or that they are being manipulative or it's because they think they're doing the right thing. Not that we should let them, you know, hold them accountable for choices they make, but you need to understand that people out there are being manipulated. I know it's the easy low hanging fruit to want to be mean to these people because they were mean to you, but be bigger, be better, be a better person than they are. Right. But my God, we need to see how this is still circulating everywhere. Here's an interesting point. I've played this many times. Sonia Elijah investigates points out, the damning data the FDA and the MHRA used to greenlight mRNA jabs to children down to six months of age. In June, she interviewed David Wiseman, an, an eminent research bioscientist for Trial Site News, just after the FDA authorized the COVID shot. Down to six months. My God. Never been acceptable, no matter how successful you think this injection is. That's never been right. They don't need it, and the injection, the side effects are too dangerous. The point is, this is an agenda just alone on this idea, seeing as how they have 0.0003% chance of dying. She says, I've posted it here as, as it's such a bombshell interview. Wiseman expertly broke down the data presented by Pfizer and Moderna at the FDA's vaccine-related biologics products advisory committee. Only 30% of the five, 4,526 participants in Pfizer's clinical trial received their final third dose. Only 30%, guys. This begs the question, why? Too many adverse adverse events after first or second dose perhaps that's one that's been clearly admitted to and many and then remember the first dose is where most of this happens where a lot of them are kicked out of there because they they go oh well they had a heart attack in the first four, 13 days wasn't the injection because we only do after 14 i swear to you on my life that happens we've proven to this so the point is that person had a heart attack on day 13 gets excluded because we know that wasn't the vaccine that's what they say too many adverse events 
FDA officials noted Pfizer's third dose data is imprecise and unstable, rendering it impossible to work out the vaccine efficacy of the third dose. Shocking. Pfizer's vaccine efficacy was based on tiny numbers, three COVID cases in the vaccine group and seven in the placebo group. Pfizer's vaccine efficacy went down to negative 32 between dose and one, dose one and dose two. I mean, guys, this is just unreal. Moderna's data was outdated as it was pre-Omicron. Games everywhere. The point is in this general point, we've made this clear talking about the undefined efficacy. Oh, shoot, this was uh, here. I'll play it. On, I have it on mine. But please, that's the gist of the article. Watch the video for yourself. Here's the clip that I've played many times. Not under FDA. Hold on, let me grab it real quick. We've shown you both of these where one is the clinical response. The other is about the one that we're going to show you here about whether one is the clinical response and the other is right here. Come on. Son of a gun. I got to organize these better at some point. I've got far too many videos in here. Shoot. Sorry, guys. I swear I had this in here as I'm wasting time. Son of a gun. Oh, well. Well, I guess I'm going to skip it then. Oh, here it is. How should we think of micrograms in terms of the amount of spike protein that's produced by the cells? Can you kind of clarify that? Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. Obviously, we don't have a complete understanding of the nature of the way that the vaccine works in terms of producing immune response. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously, you have a lot of data now. What is your correlative protection is? Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant. But as we know, that's a long question. We need a quick answer. I would say there is no established correlate of protection. So there's no established correlation between what they see and whether that protects you. They assume it does very clear and that they don't know why the response. They just know they see a response, but we don't understand why. I mean, these are directly from the experts in the panel. And that's just, but, oh, but uh, authorized. Go ahead. No big deal. Here's Dr. Asim Maholtra. President of the International Vascular Society raises concerns about COVID vaccines in relation to cardiovascular problems. Shocking. It would be great if someone can show us the light, where to go from here. See, this is the kind of thing that's happening. This, this is the domino effect. You got people like Dr. Asima Holtra, who was moments ago on the side telling you that he realized he was wrong to the point to where he was saying that you were crazy. And then he finally saw through it. Or you could believe there's more to the story. Either way, what he's doing is, is beneficial at the moment. I, I attend, I, uh, my gut tells me that he's, I think he thinks he sees through this, but we should question everything because we never know. The point is now you've got people like this, the president of the International Vascular Society, probably influenced by the fact that Dr. Asim Ultra is saying these things to realize that they are wrong. We must pause the mRNA jab now to stop more unnecessary harm, not keep giving it to the elderly and the children. No, everybody, nobody. It is dangerous for everyone. Vaccines are very important. They save lives. We have the smallpox vaccine. We have the measles vaccine. All of them have created a lot of potential to save lives. Then we came in with this COVID problems that we all of us took the COVID vaccine. Then we start to realize that we have problems with the COVID itself for the cardiovascular complication, and we attributed it to the nasty virus to it. However, patient who had the vaccine and who had COVID after the vaccine started having more complications from the cardiovascular problem. And then the minute they started having booster, 
we discover that they get very severe vasculitic reaction. We don't know what's going on. And we investigating it, we reported it to the authorities and hopefully could find a solution for this problem. Whether it being injected directly into vein called vasculitis or whether the patient, because he has antibodies for the um, uh, virus, when you give him the booster, they get reaction that we need to check the antibodies for this patient. We don't know. Aha! What he's talking about is, you guys know it well, antibody-dependent enhancement. You know, that thing that the peer-reviewed study in J December 2020 said was a severe or a significant and severe concern. I think that was what it was. And then everybody ignored it, right? And if they said, if they don't talk about this, you're not meeting informed consent. And nobody talked about it. So therefore, nobody is meeting informed consent. That's what he's saying. The point is, he's still including the fact that COVID plays a role. But at the least, he's pointing at the injection at being the catalyst. People are beginning to awaken to the reality, even if they're two years behind us. Here's another one. He says, we need to investigate what's going on. This is says, following the stunning speech of data not released by the... BHF. It's paramount that we have full, open, transparent evaluation. This is Dr. Ahmad K. Malik. I don't know what's going on, but needs to be dealt with publicly. Quite a lot of us have been very concerned about the mass rollout of an experimental, novel medical intervention to millions, if not billions of people around the world. What's interesting is all these people screaming that you're such a stupid conspiracy theorist for calling this experimental, right? This guy's an expert, right? It doesn't mean that he's right, but it just means that you're pretty stupid for reflexively dismissing anybody that called it exactly what Pfizer and Moderna called it in their own documentation, right? Because conspiracy theory. All that means in that moment is that you're the uninformed one shouting somebody down for saying the thing you're told to shout down. I mean, it's just embarrassing where this is right now. Without proper long-term safety data. Exactly. And over the last couple of years, we've seen increasing number of people um, with injuries, with adverse side effects, an increasing number of cancers, neuro neurological conditions, heart disease, clots, and now this bombshell revelation by the MP Andrew Bridgens talking about covering up data about the safety of the mRNA vaccines. Like Dr. Asim Mahotra has said, we really need to suspend the rollout of these vaccines. We need to stop and your proper investigation to find out what is going on. And that will only happen if it's forced to happen, right? Because, I mean, that's clear. I've never been more certain about anything in my life because at this moment, the people that are still pushing it at this point, I mean, they're standing out like a sore thumb. They know that they're going to be culpable, potentially criminally accountable. So why would they stop? And they're going to drive this into the ground. We, got this, we can't let the momentum stop. Peter McCullough points out families need to come clean, cannot remain quiet and let this happen to more victims. And this is the, of the video, two highly regarded cardiologists on opposite sides of the globe independently reached the same conclusions. And this is Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. C. Maholcher, which, by the way, he just recently interviewed on his Substack. The point being that it's, it's everywhere. We all see it. It's about the people that are still willing to ignore this for their own benefit. It's all coming out now early treatment, Chris Martinson points out, in a flood. The shots were not safe. They were anti-safe. This is a pretty shocking example of a graph that's laid out with data you could check for yourself. It's from the chart on the substack, the link below down here. And it just shows you the, the moment that this, is, this begun, begins, like the real problem after the COVID vaccines are administered by and large, boom, everything explodes. And we're looking at sudden death. You know, the thing we're acting like it's a baffling, unexplainable excess death problem. 
that, you know, the WHO just lumped into COVID because, well, what else could it be? That's really where we are right now. Like they say, oh, it wasn't 5 million, it was 15 million. So that must have been COVID because nothing else is happening. That's about the logic we're at with the court, with the WHO and everybody else. Here's Steve Kirsch pointing out, which by the way, I reached out to him today, haven't followed up with his booker, but I'm going to try to get him on the show as well. No matter how bad the vac safety and efficacy data is, you should get vaccinated apparently. This is according to the White House. You, you saw what I just read to you. There's no debating that that's the most current, up-to-date, peer-reviewed science about these injections. And this is what they're saying. Consistent on pushing that message out and letting people know that they need to get the new vaccine. It is important. We know it. You need to, apparently. It works, especially as they're going to see their grandparents, as they're going to see families, how important it is to get that new vaccine for themselves, but also for their loved ones. Okay, why exactly, right? So all you're telling us these days is that all it does is reduce your risk of hospitalization and death. How in the world does that protect anybody else? I mean, I guess their abstract argument is that it's, that then reduces your outward symptoms, which is not necessarily the, the case, right? That, it's simply not necessarily, there's n- that is a guess. And, and that's something I think even Thomas Massey and Rand Paul have called out publicly in a congressional setting. The point is they just pretend that's the case, but they'll admit it doesn't stop transmission, which then by definition means that your symptoms are still present and you can still get people sick. So why in the world would you getting three, four vaccines that are clearly being shown to be a net harm would be good for protecting your grandma. It's, if this is a blatant misrepresentation, blatant lie at this point, I, I, whether this completely uninformed person knows that or not is irrelevant. She's being fed things that she's lying to you about. Look, we believe we've had a, a comprehensive message. We've had a comprehensive plan. Uh, but again, we're in a new phase of this uh, of this pandemic. Ah. We just have to continue uh, to beat the drum and we'll continue to do that. Oh, great. So now we're just in a new phase. So beat the drum. So we're going to just keep yelling, get the vaccine, get the vaccine for the next three years too, right? So it was 15 days to flatten the curve. Then it became a year and two years and three years. And now it's just, now it's just beat the drum every time, new phase, right? It's all the same meaningless mantra topic b- buzzword discussion. What does a new phase of the pandemic mean? It's a way to continue to tell you we're in the pandemic, but the pandemic's over, though, or it's going down. It's not as bad as it was before, but we're in a new phase. So it's different. Is it worse? Maybe. We don't know. Get the injection. It's completely meaningless. Look at the data and realize that, one, we've never been in a pandemic based on their own definitions of a pandemic before this, even at their worst numbers. And on top of that, that they have continually dragged this out using misinformation and the ongoing effects of things that they're creating. Now, here's Adam Rowland, which I, again, I, I, I ask you to check this out, follow his account, support him where you can. This person is fighting to rally people together to see more of this. A lot of people are doing this, but this, this Adam in general is very passionate about this. And he wrote, uh, please forward to your family, friends, and work colleagues who may benefit from hearing about injury of vaccine. And this is my interview with him. And it just says in general, Merry Christmas, Ryan. Thank you for giving us a voice. I thought that was very nice of him. And I told him, thank you for your coverage to speak up, your courage to speak up. But he saved people's lives straight up for telling you this and showing you what he dealt with. And this, this, you know, he's worked with high level professional golfers. I think it was football players as well. He's got a master's in science. And this this guy knows what he's talking about. He is working with people's bodies. He can watch how these things are happening. And he himself got fooled into this thinking he was doing the right thing. It's a very emotional interview. I highly recommend you check it out. Here's Neil Stone pointing out 13 billion COVID vaccines have been given. This is their classic go-to, right? Like, because we've given that many, therefore, it's completely safe. Doesn't that make sense to you? Right? It doesn't matter that we forced them and lied about them and, and kept dragging our feet about revealing data until it was way too late to do anything about it. You know, but, but it's been given, though. So can't you tell it's safe? 
Like, don't, you know, man the mind behind the curtain. Don't look at all the heart attacks. Don't look at the 30,000 deaths we could point at that you're pretending aren't there. No, no, that's all fake news, anti-vaxxer stuff on VAERS that we've never even tried to verify. Therefore, fake news, right? Yes, 13 billion, not a typo. Which, by the way, I'm not even sure where you get this data in its entirety because it's completely undefined around the world. But the point, it's extremely safe. Extremely safe, this guy says. Yet anti-vaxxers still call it experimental. Oh, there's the guy. Right, so, so you missed the part where they call it experimental or where Fauci called it experimental or where it's been literally called experimental? How about this one? I still have that coming up. Let's see. Is this the one? No, I think it's the wrong. Anyway, it's, I, I don't want to search these things out. But the point is that you can show NIH website calling it experimental. You can show people in their own documentation pre the fervor of COVID right in the beginning, calling the mRNA exactly the way it's being used and exactly the way it's being applied with the protein and everything as investigational experimental, which those words are interchangeable according to the FDA and numerous groups. But Neil Stone doesn't like that though. So he calls you an anti-vaxxer for calling it what it is, a technology that is being experimented on you. I'm guessing they also think electricity and the wheel as a means of transport are also experimental. Like what an ignorant comparison. Like, what he's doing is pretending that if you're saying this, it's because you're so uninformed and so stupid, you don't even understand what you're talking about. You know, as opposed to looking at source material and what Pfizer and Moderna and Fauci and the government and other creators of the technology have all said in their own state of documentations and on their Twitter accounts. But, you know, yeah, because we're just too stupid to understand. This is the kind of insulting sidestep. That's, it's, it's, this is the, uh, the epitome of conspiracy theorists. That's all it is. We don't care about your process, what you've said, what you know, what you've done. It's just you're a conspiracy theorist so we can all plug our ears and stomp our feet. That is the epitome. That is the poster child for willful ignorance. Masquerading as very intelligent. Even if the guy may be book smart, it's very clear that he's not very bright. And five times August points out, this is you. Remember this? Now, scientific evidence on effects of smoking. That's the doctor he is today. The science says these are safe and effective. And of course, he gets blocked. <laughs> That's the kind of discourse you get from people that are intelligent, right? They block people that challenge their ideas. No, the opposite of that. Now, here's an interesting point that I'm gonna, I want you guys to read. I'm going to jump past it for the interest of time. Professor Norman Fenton fact-checks Igor's vaccine mortality analysis and makes amazing discoveries. The point simply is that the findings are incredible, and they ultimately point out, based on basic information that they've released, that the mortality is alarming. That the issue is under the, va the, I mean, it gets worse and worse and worse. The more you take these things, the more your body continues to collapse. Now, he includes his old research on this point. It's just undeniable if you have an, an actual objective view and you're willing to engage with all the information and not just cherry pick it based on, well, that's conspiracy debunked stuff that we were told not to look at. And here's what the CDC says we're allowed to look at. So if you do that, you're willfully ignorant because the fact is, I mean, just taking myocarditis or not the spike protein not being in your blood. All these things that they did not say we don't know. They said you're a crazy conspiracy theorist and you're killing people by saying this false information. That's the level they took it to right out of the gate. And then it got proven to be true. And then they still called you crazy. And then they go, well, it's just a little bit of myocarditis. It's not really that bad. Now here we are today. Well, one in 3,500, it's not as bad as it was before. My God. So it went from you're a crazy madman and you're lying to now it's very dangerous, but we're still going to give it to you because it's not completely defined. I don't believe anybody can't see through this. I mean, this is about as obvious as it gets. Here is Dr. Ryan Cole explaining why this is not, oops, not deadly for everybody. 
Now, I argue this is deadly if you continue to engage with this or potentially deadly immediately, as Dr. Bhakti himself has made clear. But what he's explaining here is why it may appear to be safe for now in some people, but by but be like instantly causing a blood clot within or a heart attack within an hour or people that have gotten the shot and collapsed within the 15 minutes are supposed to wait and died. That has happened. He's explaining that to you right here. And a potential harm is when people lined up in stadiums or outside and had these vaccination clinics, these vials weren't kept cold, and those fats turned into a glob of mush and the RNA broke down into nothing. So you got a shot of mush, which you're like... One second, guys. Give me one second, okay? We do one thing really quickly. Play Cole real quick. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. Okay, guys. Well, seeing as how I screwed up my times this bad today, we're going to have to wrap right there. <laughs> 46 minutes is an especially short show for me, but I've got plenty more to get into. So stay tuned. I'm going to be live with McCullough momentarily. So thank you for tuning in today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. <laughs> Sorry for the disjointed show. Stay tuned.